Hello, 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 and welcome to episode 110 of the Mo Money Podcast. Yeah, I know, I know. I'm a few days late. I get it. It's Friday, not Wednesday. Uh, enough about all of that. Uh, the next guest I have for the show is, I mean, it's it's kind of the perfect guess for what I've got going in my life. I uh, interviewed Nick Loper from Side Hustle Nation. Uh, he has a blog and a podcast with the same name, but he has got a thriving community of side hustlers. He's also got an awesome Facebook group that if you're into side hustles, you definitely want to check out. Uh, but we talk about uh, how he went from the corporate world into, uh, you know, dabbling with side hustles. And eventually uh, he was able to create a full-time job and thriving uh, company of himself based on this whole idea of side hustles. So very uh, apropos, and I'm very excited to share this interview with Nick right now. Thank you, Nick, for joining me on the Mo Money podcast today. I'm so excited for you to be on the show, and I'm excited that I kind of hounded you at FinCon and made you uh, talk to me and give you my card. <laughs> no problem at all, Jessica. Thank you for having me. And let me be, I hope, the first to congratulate you on the podcast for becoming a full-time hustler. Thank you. I know. Oh, full-time hustler. I like the sound of that. I should probably make a t-shirt with that. <laughs> or maybe not. I feel like some people might take that the wrong way. But <laughs> that's, yeah, no, I am super pumped to be a full-time hustler. And that's why I really like what you're doing with Side Hustle Nation. It is totally up my alley, which is why I really wanted to chat with you. I talked to a lot of people on the show about you know, saving and investing and being frugal and being smart with your money. But I think a really important element when it comes to personal finance is making more money. And I mean, one way I did that was I've always had some sort of side hustle. When I first, you know, finished university, I uh, had a nine to five, but then I also uh, had a uh, kind of a side job as a teleprompter operator for the news, made me some extra cash. And then I okay. kept that for like three years. And then then I started the the blog and started making income like that. And then I'm kind of like, wow, this is this is great. And then it led me to, you know, do what I'm doing right now. So I think what you're doing, what you're promoting and uh, is great because I think a lot of and I've actually I'm, I'm totally an advocate for side hustles with all my friends. And now lots of them have started little side hustles based on like their expertise or skill set, which is kind of cool. I love it. I love it. Yeah. So well, it's a way for them to, you know, save some extra money, make some extra money and pay down debt quicker, which is uh, very, very cool. But um, I would love to know a little bit more about you and how you got into this uh, side hustle world. Um, so you, you know, you haven't always been an entrepreneur yourself. You um, started out as, uh, you know, working the corporate life, right? Uh, I did my first. Um, I mean, I graduated school and got a job, like what you're supposed to do, yeah, right? What you're you just to paid do. all this money, paid mm -hmm. all this money in tuition, and I, at that point, I wasn't ready to to go out on my own. Mm -hmm. I didn't know that was something that you were really allowed to do. And even three years later, when I eventually quit, it was still this: is this allowed? Like it was a weird. Even though I had kind of a revenue history and this, you know, side income that was coming in, it was still kind of a an intimidating leap to take. So mm -hmm. my original side hustle was a footwear comparison shopping site like super random mm -hmm. i i'm not like a sneakerhead or yeah i'm like do you really like shoes not not at all like i'm probably <laughs> my own worst customer um the so the basis of that side kind of how it came about was i had interned 
um, in Seattle at a company that was kind of one of the pioneering like online footwear retailers. And that was my first introduction to e-commerce and uh, Google AdWords Mm -hmm. and affiliate marketing and uh, SEO and all this stuff. And it was just, you know, kind of a fascinating place uh, to be. And so after that internship ended, I was like, well, how can I use, you know, what I learned? And so I became an affiliate of theirs Mm -hmm. and several other online shoe retailers and started doing like direct link text ads in the search engines Mm -hmm. for very specific models of shoes. So if you go to Google, like if you go to AdWords Mm -hmm. and you bid on shoes, uh, you're going to just lose money left and right because that's like very, very top of the top of the funnel or like very early in somebody's like buying decision process, right? Mm-hmm. They're like very early in the research. So I was like going to target people at the very end, like, hey, they've decided on this specific model that they're looking for more information on. And I can link that directly to who I think has the best deal or I think is most likely to convert. And I started doing that like with a budget of a dollar a day. because I was nice. still in college and in AdWords, you could set your budget. And once that was validated, it kind of you know, saw that people were clicking on these links, that people were buying, you know, that the the ad spend was profitable. That's when I kind of plunked down and had the website built, which involved hiring an outsourced development team and kind of placing my bet in a in a bigger way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's pretty smart. <laughs> in hindsight, it sounds it sounds smart. It was a slow process going going through it, but it's um, and and that business kind of was what I was working on, you know, while I was working corporate. So nights and weekends mm-hmm. would be spent trying to figure out how to sell more shoes and, mm-hmm. you know, working on this database and optimizing the ads and doing all this stuff that, you know, otherwise would have been spent watching TV mm-hmm. or you know, I don't know what else, you know, playing video games at that time probably. Mm-hmm. And so three years later, I finally got up the nerve to <laughs> turn in the keys to my company car and say, I'm out of here. Nice. Ooh, company car though. Ooh. <laughs> It was, uh, you know, it was a hard gig to give up. Yeah, it sounds like it. That's awesome. So so you gave up your corporate job to just do that first business, the shoe business? Yes. Okay. And then when did you um, decide to do your side hustle nation um, brand and business? So during during this time, so this is 2008 when I left the corporate world, started doing the shoe thing full time on Day one of self-employment, it sounds like your first week is going a little bit better than mine did. <laughs> on day one of like my retirement, you know, I have visions of the four-hour work week in my head. Yes. Like, it's going to be awesome. And, and, you know, had no reason to believe otherwise because up until that point, you know, it had worked. Like the site, was, you know, was fine. The yeah. account, the advertising account was fine. Um, on that first day of self-employment, like the server crashes for some unknown reason. I mean, there's a power outage on the East Coast, wherever mm-hmm. it was, you know, in the data center. And... On top of that, Google says, this is the day we're going to crawl your account for like our quality guidelines. <laughs> and they find, first of all, the site doesn't load. And once it eventually came back up, they're like, it kind of raised a red flag. And they're like, this site doesn't meet our quality guidelines. Oh, no. You know, the, the sole purpose of your site, they said, was to drive traffic to other sites. Mm. And I said, Yes. True. <laughs> true. True story. That's how I get paid. I make commission on these, you know, when somebody goes to these other stores and buys. But like Google, who are you to talk? The sole purpose of Google is to drive traffic to exactly. other sites. 
you know, you've got two years of account history or something at this point, like thousands of happy customers, like, you know, you go through all seven stages of anger and denial and, and all this stuff. And ultimately they came back. So we made some tweaks to the, to the website and had to sink all this extra money into development costs on top of now not having a corporate paycheck. It was really a kind of a stressful time. And ultimately they came back three months later and said, looks like we made an error. You're good to go. Ooh. And it was just like, Ah, you know, such a stressful time. Mm-hmm. But um, that was kind of an eye-opening moment about diversification, right? Yeah. So I, something that is a really common theme on Side Hustle Nation, something that I, you know, will continue to preach because it's like most people are really reliant on one source of income. For most people, it's their job. Mm-hmm. Um, but I found myself in the exact same boat as an entrepreneur. And I was, you know, I thought I was diversified because I had like, you know, 30 or 40 different advertisers or stores, you know, that was, that was in the database or that were in the, on the site, Mm -hmm. but, you know, peel it back one layer and 80% of the site traffic came from Google. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So it was like, okay, that is not diversified at all. So, um, during the time of running the shoe business is when I was trying to start all these other little side hustle projects. And most of those flopped, but a couple have stuck around. And one of those was the side hustle nation blog and podcast that started kind of spring of 2013. So about three and a half years deep into that one. Oh, wow. Well, you've grown the Side Hustle Nation, uh, you know, website and brand like crazy. If you've only been around since 2013, props to you. That's awesome. And now you have a podcast also, which is I I was listening to it before uh, I'm chatting with you and I loved it. It's probably going to be on my regular rotation. Oh, thank you. It's, uh, it's it's so much fun. I know I, you probably have the same experience. Like I love doing the show and it's been really the number one growth channel and kind of avenue of discovery for, for the site. Like it's grown several times faster than the blog has. Oh, which for is sure. Weird, because I considered myself to be primarily a writer when I launched at that point. Mm-hmm. And it, so it's kind of weird to see you, you never know what's how, how people are going to react. So apparently um, writing, not so much, but apparently. Yeah, well, I think it's, I, I totally agree. It was, you know, I've had my blog. I've been blogging for over five years now, but it wasn't until I started the podcast that people started really paying attention. It's not interesting. And it was the most terrifying. And I don't know if you had the same experience, but before I launched the podcast, I'm like, oh, this is it just felt so intimate and so scary. People actually hearing my voice and you know, it's you can't edit really. I mean, so it's it's very. I don't know. It felt very vulnerable, but it's been the most rewarding thing. And also, just like hearing from listeners, and you know, you feel like you have more of a connection with them. And I, I'm sure lots of your listeners, you know, feel like they know you. Yeah, it really is um, a more valuable connection, about more valuable relationship, right? Somebody's gonna mm-hmm. spend thirty, forty minutes with you in their earbuds. And if they like the content, they might do that week after week after week versus, yeah. oh, you know, they saw a, a, a yeah. clickable link on Twitter or something and they spend, you know, three minutes reading your skimming yeah. your blog post. Like it's not as deep of a, of a relationship. Absolutely. I really like um, I really like that. And, it, it, you know, please don't go listen to the first 50 episodes. <laughs> you know, there it takes a while to kind of hit your stride. Oh, as for a host. sure. Oh, my and gosh. I'm I would consider myself a pretty introverted person and that's why hosting mm-hmm. an interview show was perfect for let somebody else do the talk i know it's yeah I, I'm, I'm i'm absolutely the same way I'm, I'm i think on the scale of like introvert extrovert i'm kind of in the middle but definitely introverts was at the forefront when it first started and so yeah my first several episodes 
well you know n- now I- i'd say like the later the uh newest episodes are definitely uh my favorites <laughs> i've definitely yeah, honed yeah. my craft a little bit more um absolutely but it comes with practice yeah it comes with practice I- i'd love to chat about so you started so what, what inspired you to start your side hustle nation blog and then podcast was it just that you were learning so much about side hustles yourself that you wanted to share that information with people and really just kind of let people know, hey, there's another way you can make money besides having, you know, one stream of income from your nine to five. Yeah, so it was kind of um, a couple components of it. One was as a a creative outlet for me to kind of Mm -hmm. report back on some, you know, marketing entrepreneurship stuff that was going on in uh, in my own life Mm -hmm. and, you know, a place to talk about some different experiments or experiences um, that I was testing out with. And and the second component of it was kind of this concept of trying to build a personal brand. You know, what do you want to be known for when people Google you? Mm -hmm. And it was just something I was really excited about, like a lower risk brand of entrepreneurship, something that was more accessible, I think more realistic to most people than the narrative that often comes out of Silicon Valley, where you're going to raise millions of dollars in venture capital and you're going to build the next Uber and, you know, it happens. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it happens. But I think for most people starting something on the side, probably a little bit more realistic. So trying to spread uh, spread the gospel of, of that, of the side hustle and, mm-hmm. you know, reaching out and finding, you know, different people who were making that happen or ha- who had made it happen. Mm-hmm. And it's been it's been a blast. We're on like episode 211 or something wow. coming out tomorrow. Wow. That's amazing. Like, do you find... And it could just be me, but I feel like the idea of having a side hustle or kind of a, you know, second job a little bit is a bit of a newer concept. I feel like older generations, it wasn't necessarily a thing that they did. It it was all about kind of having that one job you stayed at 30 years, you got your pension, there you go. But now I feel like with just maybe just, you know, being, you know, as millennials and just the economy and just all the things that we've gone through, it feels like a bit more common, like most of my friends have some sort of side hustle. Like it's kind of a normal thing now. Yeah. And and maybe that's one reason why the site has grown. It's like, you know, tapping into a growing trend. Mm-hmm. But it it is and it isn't, right? So maybe it's been branded as a side hustle, but previous generations have been you know, maybe they called it moonlighting, maybe mm-hmm. they called it a second job, maybe they, you know, were investing in real estate, you know, on the side. So this the concept of, you know, doing something in your free time to make extra money mm-hmm. definitely isn't new. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But but you're right, the, the millennials have really taken hold to it. I think one part out of uh, out of desire, like out of, hey, you know, maybe my day job doesn't kind of give me this creative outlet or doesn't let me scratch my own itch or, you know, whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. And the so that would be kind of like the positive proactive reason. Yeah. And the second part of that would be like the negative reactive reason of like, hey, there's no job security. I'm not getting paid as much as I would like. And the cost of living, especially in terms of like uh, housing, education mm-hmm. and uh, medical expenses, like all have you know skyrocketed while wages have remained the same. So yeah. it's like, well, I got to do something. I gotta be, be proactive and take matters into my own hands to make ends meet. Absolutely. One uh, thing that I I love on your website was you have a lot of great resources um, and a lot of great information about, you know, if someone is thinking about doing a side hustle, here are some options, here are some ideas. What are some of the most uh, common ones or maybe some of the easiest ones for people to kind of transition into, in your opinion? Let's um, let's do kind of the top three categories. So the first that I think is like really 
easy and fast to get started would be um, like tapping into what we call like the sharing economy or the peer-to-peer economy. Mm-hmm. And this is, you know, your Uber drivers of the world, your Airbnb hosts of the world, your like Uber Eats, um, mm-hmm. caviar, you know, delivery people. Um, I met a somebody sent me a note like I'm gonna make ten grand this year uh, hosting or doing pet sitting on dogvacay.com, which is like Airbnb but for dogs. No way. It's like, that is like that's crazy, but that's awesome. I didn't know there's, that was a thing. That's amazing. There, you know, there's all these different platforms um, where you know you don't like the Airbnb thing is just still really really crazy to me. It's mm-hmm. like you. If you wanted to rent out a spare room in your house 15 years ago, you would, you know, your advertising options would be limited to like a sign in your yard or, mm-hmm. you know, an ad in your classifieds. Yep. But now, you know, there's this kind of worldwide demand. And I met a guy recently for the for the Buy Buttons book research. Mm-hmm. He was in New York and him and his girlfriend were like, let's just see. Let's just see what happens. If you want to sleep in an air mattress in our living room, you you can do that for 80 bucks a night. Mm-hmm. And it turned out that they were like flooded with inquiries. No and way. Like, we didn't. We didn't really want people. We didn't expect people to be here like all the time. So what they ended up doing was just renting out the place like while they were traveling. Mm-hmm. And it ended up. The cool thing is it ended up being like revenue neutral. They're like, we're going to Costa Rica for two weeks. The place is rented out, and it's like paid for our entire vacation. I was mm-hmm. like, dude, that is that's awesome. So I really like those those options, kind of these built-in platforms where it's really easy to kind of set up your profile. And, you know, make it easy for people to do business with you in in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, option number two or area number two would be, you know, selling some sort of freelance service. And the advantage that I see here, so like, you know, if you're delivering for, you know, if you're driving for Uber, you know, they're probably the best example of this is mm-hmm. like, you know, they've continually cut rates over the last three years mm-hmm. because they can. Yeah. And, you know, their argument that they make is, well, we're trying to you know, increase the demand side and it's going to be better for the drivers because you're going to have more work. Mm. I have yet to talk to a driver that says that's actually true. It's like, well, yeah. they just keep cutting rates and and they do that because, hey, you know, it's anybody can do it. And now they're you know already testing a fleet of driverless cars. So yeah. if, if it's something that anybody can do, anybody naturally will do it. And, you know, that drives down rates. So the freelancing side, you have a little bit more opportunity to kind of hone in on your specific skills and talents and find some business with, you know, that you can help solve a problem for them. So I like platforms like, and, and you can still use this, mm-hmm. um, you know, buy buttons theory of, you know, going where the cash is already flowing with marketplaces like Upwork, marketplaces like Fiverr. I met a guy who his claim to fame was he earned enough money on Fiverr to buy a house within what? his first year on the platform. Whoa. Yeah, this is this is one of the this is like a episode five of the side hustle show, one of the very early wow. episodes, but it really kind of put the show on the map because it was just such a crazy story. Mm-hmm. And he he kind of explained, look, it's the marketplace of goods and services where everything starts at five dollars. It's mm-hmm. all about the upsell. Yeah. And so he told me, you know, your five dollar thing is gotta be something you can you know, something an asset you've already created, like a PDF, like an audio file, video file, something that you can deliver in just a couple seconds. Mm-hmm. And then if somebody wants your time, they can buy that in the, you know, extras in the upsells. And he was a kind of PR professional, uh, copywriter professional. Mm-hmm. And so he was like, one of his examples was like, I will show you the seven steps to a killer autoresponder sequence or something. And then it was like, I will write message number one for you 
is like in the upsell. So mm-hmm. the you know the pre-delivery is like the five dollar thing. Fascinating thing. Like I've had a ton of fun playing around on Fiverr, and it's like a top hundred website in the world in terms mm-hmm. of traffic. So it's just lots of buyers out there, um, you know, looking to spend some money. Mm-hmm. So I like that one. Of course, you know, you can set up your own kind of content marketing based or, you know, proactive freelance hustle as well in lots of ways, uh, lots of cool examples of people doing that in the archives too. And then option number three or kind of category number three is what we'll call kind of the age old business model of just buy low and sell high. Mm-hmm. It's the same model that, you know, Walmart and Amazon, like all of these stores, you know, pretty much every store in the history of stores uses, right? Mm-hmm. The Where it kind of gets fun from the side hustle perspective is, so I met a guy who calls himself the flea market flipper. Mm-hmm. And so he's down in Orlando. And every weekend, you can find him at the Orlando flea market, he says, looking for the odd items. Mm-hmm. And he gave, he gave me the example of finding a prosthetic leg for like 30 or 40 bucks and turning around and flipping it on eBay the next day for like a thousand bucks or finding some, you know, exercise bike that's like used in physical therapy offices and picking that up for a couple hundred bucks and flipping it for two grand. Just like random, random stuff. Mm -hmm. But it's like, look, anybody could do this and you can start with whatever investment you're comfortable with. Like I haven't gone the flea market route, but I've gone the uh, Amazon FBA route, Mm -hmm. which is a really fascinating model and kind of the gateway drug to get into it is just like this clearance arbitrage model where you download the Amazon seller app and as you're out running your errands as you normally would, you stop by the clearance aisle and you see you scan these barcodes on these items, see what they're worth online. And my general rule is if you can double your money and if that has like a sales rank in its category, which the app will show you of less mm-hmm. than a hundred thousand then yeah, I'll go ahead and buy that and package them all up, ship them in to Amazon. They fulfill the orders on your behalf. The reason you want the sales rank under that number is it'll give you an indication of like how fast it's going to turn. So like if it's, you know, sales rank 1.2 million, like that means it might sit on the shelf for a really mm-hmm. long time. You might not, you're not likely to, to see a return on that for mm-hmm. a while. But I really like that. I've seen people do similar thing, you know, just buying and selling stuff on Craigslist, you know, flipping to eBay and I, I really like that as a as a way to multiply your dollars faster. I have never heard of that Amazon thing, but that sounds genius. <laughs> this is one of the this is one of the hottest side hustles going, and then you know people are going all the way oh, to yeah. you know now having their own products uh, created in in China and manufactured and you know imported over here. And there's this whole there's this whole like <laughs> economy built. The funny thing about Amazon, and I didn't realize this mm-hmm. until just a couple years ago. It's like a big consignment store. Half of their inventory is owned by people like you and me. And, yeah, I didn't you know, know just, that. They're wow. kind of crowdsourcing their inventory in that way and say, hey, look, we built this logistics network and you can take advantage of that. Wow. That is so interesting. I bet lots of people listening are going to be like, I'm going to look into that right now <laughs> because that that is super helpful. And I feel like definitely outside of the box when, you know, when you think of, you know, side hustles. I think a lot of, or at least what I'm kind of, uh, you know, seeing online is, you know, how to make money online, but there's so many other ways to make some extra cash. And I think that's awesome. And I think, I guess, you know, the main trade-off is, you know, you're trading your time for money, but, um, you know, it it depends on what you're selling, what you're doing, really. So, man, I I think I need some products to sell somewhere. I've got some ideas. (laughs) (laughs) There Um, you go. Um... 
I would love to know, because you've grown uh, Side Hustle Nation, you know, so much in the past couple of years. What 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 are your kind of your plans as an entrepreneur? What are some of your projects that you're working on? What are some of the things that you would like to see happen the next couple of years for you? Well, one thing, so I'm getting super jealous, like looking at your website right now, it's, <laughs> you know, beautifully designed. So I've had a kind of redesign a refresh on the mind for uh, for the site mm-hmm. to kind of so this this version of the site is three years old right now. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's starting to look a little bit, a little bit dated of that redesign refresh is kind of rethinking what happens on the back end after somebody opts in. So right now, um, I've kind of am dumping everyone into one general autoresponder sequence, which I think is leaving a lot of opportunity on the table to be more engaging, more relevant, where it's like, okay, if somebody opted in for something specifically related to e-commerce and now I'm sending them something about freelancing like they both follow under that overall umbrella mm-hmm. of you know being viable and lucrative side hustles but there might be a, a disconnect there so that's kind of one thing that's on my radar is kind of smarter segmentation and automation on that front the other projects mm-hmm. I don't know like that's what I'm trying to figure out um, what would be a good goal as the as the site has grown I found my time to do different random side hustle experiments has decreased and that's mm-hmm. a little bit frustrating for me. It's like, you know, that's kind of how it started. Like, oh, I'm going to go sell something on Fiverr and report yeah. back, you know, how I got on the homepage or what have, um, there, there may be some more experiments in the future or, you know, bringing on, um, an, an intern or, you know, some, some sort of, <laughs> some sort of help to, you know, test out, different yeah. things and, and see what happens do some public case studies and stuff like that definitely no i think that'd be i'm sure there would be lots of people that would uh, like to volunteer for that because so many people you know would you know probably experiment on their own time but they'd like to share the news with somebody maybe so i don't know it's uh it's kind of like oh, i've got a, so. an episode coming out about this like everybody's posting their new year's resolutions and their you know big uh, you know their big goals for the year and it's like, I don't, I don't know. I, you know, it's easy, easy, easy to pick it up. Like you know, I want to make yeah. a million bucks, but it's like, you know, what is that? What is, yeah, why? What but does that why really mean? also? Um, something I've been mm-hmm. struggling with and trying to, it was, it was actually through the Rockstar Finance newsletter. I found a post that was about, yeah. I'm going to focus, you know, it was like, I'm ditching my goals to, and that one really resonated with me. So that's something that is, is on, on the mind for kind of this, this first part of the year. Yeah, for sure. Awesome. Well, uh, thank you so much for chatting with me and sharing some, uh, side hustle ideas. Um, I will definitely link to a couple, uh, very, uh, useful, uh, blog posts that you have on your site that I think lots of people will get a lot out of. Um, and of course I encourage everyone to subscribe to side hustle nation, uh, the podcast that you have, which is super awesome and motivating. If anyone wants to figure out where to start, what to do, where to go, that is the place to go. So thank you, Nick, for joining me. It was a pleasure chatting with you. And that was episode 110 with Nick Loper from Side Hustle Nation. Make sure to visit SideHustleNation.com to learn more about what he's up to and check out his podcast on iTunes and everywhere. It's called The Side Hustle Show. You definitely don't want to miss it. It is awesome. And I think he just cracked a crazy uh, record for himself, like over 300. No, it was something even crazier. It was like 3 million downloads, something beyond my 
like I just don't I don't understand that that's amazing so make sure to check him out if you want to learn how to uh, make some extra money on the side because it's kind of a great way to get to that next level if you've budgeted as much as you can and there's nothing else to kind of cut back on it's time to figure out a way to make some extra cash highly recommend Um, that's really it for me I'm going to try my best to not miss another Wednesday because I have uh, a couple more great episodes in the queue and then I'm taking my summer break which I hope you have plans to do as well Um, so thanks again for listening and I'm going to see you right back here next Wednesday I promise I promise I promise okay bye bye This podcast is distributed by the Women in Media Podcast Network. Find out more at womeninmedia.network.